Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me here live on Golf Talk Live. It's good to be back on the air. As uh, Those of you that might have tuned in to the Tuesday show, Women of Golf, uh, know that I was on vacation last week in California and uh, didn't do either one of the shows. So this is my first Golf Talk Live uh, back after vacation, and I'm very, very excited to be here. Got a great uh, group, uh, a couple of guys on the Coach's Corner panel, uh, and I'll bring them out here in just a minute. And then a little bit later on on the show, I'm going to uh, actually have another guy that's uh, uh, pretty regular on the Coach's Corner panel and his partner, if you will, uh, as my special guest, of course, I'm talking about John uh, Decker, who's a PGA instructor, and Dr. Angelica Napolitano, who is uh, a uh, physiotherapist, if you will. And they're hosting a uh, podcast of their own called Golf Swing RX Podcast, The Prescription for Your Game, which I was a, a guest just a couple of weeks ago on their show and had a lot of, uh, a lot of fun, good time in that. They're going to be coming on the second half. We're going to talk about that. Um, but first, let me just say a special thank you to the sponsor, GolfSwing.com. Of the Coach's Corner panel segment here on Golf Talk Live, and here's just a little bit about GolfSwing.com. With their cutting-edge technology, they have teamed up alongside some of the best instructors, coaches, and swing gurus, if you will, in the business. Uh, together, they have created one of the best video teaching and training online platforms in golf. So if you're ready to break 100, 90, 80, or even 70, then join their online video academy and learn from some of the best. In addition to sponsoring the Coach's Corner segment, each week I will post a different uh, golf instructional video tip uh, featuring uh, one of their top instructors. So join GolfSwing.com today and watch, practice, and improve your game. And don't forget to enter promo code GOLFTALKLIVE to receive 50% off the subscription price. And I'll have a little bit of an uh, audio clip a little bit later on in the show uh, giving you a little more specifics about GolfSwing.com. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for joining me. I'm going to bring out the Coach's Corner panel here in just a minute. Let me just uh, introduce them uh, individually, and then I'll bring them out as a group. Uh, first up, of course, is Clint Wright. He's a 30-plus-year member of the PGA, uh, partner at TGM Golf, and a big proponent of the R3 approach, uh, one of the best covering the short game t- uh, today, in my opinion, and he's among my favorite guest panelists here on Coach's Corner. Also, another favorite is Chuck Evans. He's a Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher, as well as a golf uh, digest top uh, teacher in America. Uh, he's also a top 50 growth of the game teacher and director of instruction at Apache Creek Golf Club in Apache Junction, Arizona, and also the owner of Chuck Evans Golf. So guys, welcome back uh, to the Coach's Corner panel here on Golf Talk Live. Good to be with you, Ted. Good to be here, Ted. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. And uh, always looking forward to uh, to doing these segments here on the show. It's one of my favorite parts. Obviously, I enjoy uh, interviewing the guests as well, but I always enjoy the uh, Coach's Corner panel. We always have some interesting discussions. So, guys, we're going to talk about today, I thought, what we would talk about this evening is uh, about a champion golfer, if you will. And I'm talking, of course, a high-caliber golfer uh, and some of the ways that uh, we might uh, identify a champion 
and how we can help them to even further reach their potential. So first uh, question I guess I want to ask both of you, and I've talked about this before on, on the, uh, the show, but I want to get into uh, a little bit more specific in some areas uh, with the two of you. And I'm going to start, if you don't mind, Chuck, with you, and, and just to get your idea in your mind what qualifies uh, as a champion. Well, I think if you're a champion, you've won uh, a number of events. Now, if you're an elite player, that doesn't necessarily do you mean that you've reached that threshold yet, but you're on the cusp of it. But a champion, in my mind, is a player that has won uh, basically at every level, whether it's junior golf, high school golf, college, uh, mini tours, uh, PGA tour. And, you know, you could be a champion golfer and, and just be a club member. You've won your club championship, you know, eight, nine times, whatever it is. I mean, you know, I had I had a, uh, my best friend, actually, uh, who passed three years ago. Every club that they went to, he was the men's club champion every single year. And then once he turned, I think it was 60, he was not only men's club, but he was the senior men's club champion. So in my mind, that made him a championship golfer. And the same can be said for any number of the women. Uh, I forget who it was. I just read it today. Won the won the senior women uh, uh, USPGA, uh, an right. amateur event or senior women USGA event. So they're they're a champion as well. But you don't have to be a professional to be a champion. But you do have to achieve uh, success as a player, whether it be from the amateur side or from the uh, professional side. Right. Well said. Um, Clint, I, I think you probably concur a lot with, with what Chuck just said. Anything else you want to add before we move on? No, not really. I, I was just saying I, I couldn't have said it much better. I, I think that obviously to be a champion you have to win. Or, um, and like you said, I mean, at, at any level, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you see the, the local uh, Monday, Monday morning junior clinics and camps have champions, you know. So, um, right. no, I can't add a whole lot to what he said. All right, well, I'm going to I'm going to jump to you anyways, Clint, uh, for this next thing. Sure. I think though, in addition to to winning events, I think there's some other key factors that we might look for uh, when when looking for a champion, if you will. I mean, obviously, winning events is, is a, a a telltale sign, but there's some other things that sort of exude, if you will, uh, from that that champion type uh, champion type mentality, and and one of them is. Uh, uh, an individual that's easily adapts to change. Uh, in other words, there may be changes that are necessary, not necessarily in their swing, but in their approach to the game. Um, and they have to have a willingness to be able to do that. And a lot of folks are not, as we know, um, as uh, teacher professionals and coaches, uh, a lot of folks out there are not always easily uh, able to make changes uh, in, in how they handle themselves out in the golf course. So first off, is that important to, to have a, an easily uh, adaptable student to work with uh, or is it does it not matter at all well I, I think it depends on where you're picking the student up from um, mm -hmm. you know if you got a, a person that's that that has been successful winning playing well in, in tournaments and stuff and they, they come to you to refine what they're doing and maybe they're just getting close to winning they're they're a couple of shots out or whatever then you, you have to try to refine what they do because what their approach, their their routine, their their mental uh, preparedness is, is getting them close 
but could possibly, you know, just need some refinement uh, to move them on to that next level. Now, if you're taking a, a player that is becoming, let's say, a, a, a mid to late teenager that's showing promise as being, you know, athletically ab uh, available to, to be a good golfer, then you have to teach them that routine and, and how important the emotional and mental uh, approach, particularly, I think, emotional approach, to how they're going to prepare themselves. You know, I, I think if you really boil down to the Nicholas's uh, legacy, is not necessarily mm -hmm. that he was a better ball striker, but he was at better right. at controlling his emotions. Uh, and mm -hmm. many people have said this, at controlling his emotions at the point of winning major championships. And he right. he he worked on the ability to do that. And I, and I think that's one of the things that, that is kind of driving the, the uh, mental coaches or emotional coaches, all the, you know, the sports psychologists that come. You know, when I was a kid, nobody knew what a sports psychologist was. I mean, you just got out there and you, and you figured out how to do it, you know. But there, there yeah. comes a point to, to – to, to where, um, you know, that's very helpful. And I think as a, as a golf instructor, it's important for us to recognize that maybe we need that kind of help to help these students. You know, we can't be all things to all people. So, right. you know, a little bit of a, a, a specializing when you get a player, I think on from an instructor standpoint, it's incumbent on us to recognize is that we can't help them there. And we have to get somebody involved that that can, uh, and yeah. to move them onto that more of a stable emotional approach uh, in those special events. I mean, you you, you think about what well, you want to talk about as champions. We remember who wins the majors. You know, kind of who won the right. the X Y Z tournament. They're champions, but you know, to, in those special events, it, it's different, and we all know that. So you have to prepare for those special events. Right. Well said too. Um, FYI, my father was my uh, uh, psychic guru, if you will, and he <laughs> said these words. I, I still I still hear them today. It's if you want to be a better player, get off the couch and get out and practice. So, yeah, get know, off the my, couch, yeah. son. Get off the couch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Get off the couch, turn the TV off, and get out and practice. Yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, Chuck, yeah. uh, Chuck, I want to talk about um, – Again, we're staying on the theme of champions, and, and and again, it doesn't really matter what level, but there are some key factors that I've uh, identified, and I'm sure there's others, but these are just a few that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, and, you know, when we look at our amateur players, um, you know, you might have somebody that's pretty good at their short game, or maybe they're pretty good off the tee, but they don't tend to be well-rounded all the way around uh, in every aspect of the game. But that's something that uh, we do see in our champions. They tend to be uh, pretty good at all parts of their game, some obviously better than others, uh, and there are some parts of their game that, again, might be their strongest, but generally, uh, if you look at most of the champions, now, Ch uh, Clint just mentioned, you know, Nicholas was not necessarily the best ball striker in the world, but he was a very good ball striker uh, in, in many ways, uh, but he had uh, a good mental prowess, if you will, out in the golf course. So how do we sort of help learning from the champions that we see out there and how they're able to encompass every part of their game uh, and refine it. How can we help our amateur golfers to sort of achieve that as well? Well, I think it all goes back to, uh, to, to, to specialities like we were talking about, to specialists. I mean, you know, my players, the, uh, the ones that are right on the cusp, you know, if they struggle mentally, 
uh, I set them up with Dr. Brett McCabe up in Birmingham, Alabama. If they are struggling with their putting, I send, send them to Phil Kenyon, whether in the U.K. or at Sea Island. But for your, for your average player, uh, let's say they're not at the championship level or even the elite level. They're a 15 handicapper. <clears throat> Some people will have the uh, means to be able to, to see the people I just talked about, and others won't. And I think that's part of working with the player. You ask them, and you do this a lot on course is how I do it. I get them out on course, and I ask them what their thought process is on every single shot. So if you've got a, let's say you have a dog leg left, and you can see the 150 stake, and you know that the hole's going to go to the left, and you ask somebody, what is your thought process on hitting this tee shot? Well, I just want to hit it out in the middle somewhere. Okay, well, out in the middle somewhere doesn't work because that's where the 150 is, is in the middle. Uh you can, uh, I'll get them to try to hit it left of the 150 versus right because there's a 40-yard difference in your approach shot. Uh, and then we'll talk about shots to the green. You know, what's your thought process on this? I can't tell you how many juniors I've had who thought the only wedge shot in the game was a lob shot. Well, you know what? There's a lot more shots than just a lob shot, you know. How about let's, let's take a right. padded wedge. Right or a three-quarter wedge, or, or change up the wedges. Um, but you have to kind of to, to see what they're thinking. And all you're going to know what they're thinking is to ask them questions. Um, I mean, if you look at, at great players, Lee Trevino was one of the best ball strikers ever, but he never won in Augusta because his ball flight didn't fit Augusta's greens. Uh, you don't right. win in Augusta as a low, as a low ball uh, striker. You know, you win in Augusta as a high ball striker. Um, right. So you, you have to look at the player's means and, and again, get in their thought process. And, and, it, and it does take some some time with them because they're not used to thinking this process out. Uh, I'm out with a playing lesson the other gay, day, and I said, well, how far do you – he's looking at his Garmin, and he says, well, this is a three-iron. <laughs> I go, oh, how do you know it's a three-iron? I go, right. goes, well, it just tells me. And I go – I said, well, how far do you hit your clubs? He goes, I don't know. I go, well, that's the first yeah. thing you need to know is how far do you hit your clubs, <clears throat> plus or minus two to five yards, right? So mm-hmm. we, we come up on this par five. He's, his third shot is, is uh, at 71 to the hole, and he's got some room in the back. And I said, and so he hits his shot, and I said, you hit that pretty solid? He goes, yeah, it was really solid. So we go up to the green. I said, now find your pitch mark. He goes, well, here it is. I said, now pace it off to the hole. So it was four paces above the hole. I said, all right, so you hit that shot 75 yards. Use that as a base now and kind of go around that. You know, always look for your pitch mark for, for what your yardage says. If it says 170 or whatever it is, find your pitch mark, then pace the distance to the hole, either if it's short or long, not side to side, but short or long. And right. that's going to give you a proximity. I mean, that's, you know, that's the way the best players in the world do it. Um, Bruce Kessel right. said it easy. He says, "He says, you know, you've got a club that's too short and one that's too long. Find the middle one, okay? So it's pretty easy <laughs> to figure out." Right, right, exactly. And and you know, it, it just it goes to the mindset I think of today's golfer as well. You know, the difference between the better players and those that are still sort of struggling to find their game. 
is the better players know what they need to do to get the answers to those questions that we are asking them um, and or certainly should be asking them. And a lot of the amateurs out there, you know, they don't even know where to begin half the time and they're going through using technology. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm all for technology in the right place. But uh, again, if you're using that as your guide and not really, um, you know, doing the, putting the efforts or the work in, then you're not going to, um, you know, yield a strong results. And, and Clint, this goes to really um, the next point. I know we've talked about this a lot, but, uh, you know, the difference between a champion and a sort of everyday run-of-the-mill player is their strong commitment to practice. Um, there's a willingness and even sacrifice to put in the time, if you will, to achieve their goals. Talk a little bit about that. You know, what are we, what are we going to need to do as an industry um, to really make practice something that people are going to want to do um, willingly and not feeling uh, that it's, uh, you know, an obligation, but something that they're willing to, to do. What can we do to, to change that mindset? How can we, you know, have that conversation with them to say, look, you know, we've told them a thousand times, but maybe we need to phrase it a little bit differently. What are your thoughts there? Well, let's, let's refine what you're talking about for a minute. And right. expand it to I want to see a person give me a commitment, not to practice, as you're mm-hmm. speaking of, but I want them to right. give me a commitment to get better. Let's improve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there's a lot of areas of improvement. I, I can improve right. my knowledge about what I'm attempting to do. I can improve my physical ability to make a better golf swing. So there's more to getting better than just right. practicing, you know, on the range or chipping and putting. I think it's a component of improvement, okay? Mm-hmm. And part of what you were just talking about, that person that doesn't know how to to get better at that mental approach or, or the imagination they need. And so there's a level of commitment to improve, like I've said before, that has different levels. So I want them to get where they're eating better. They're probably stretching mm-hmm. and exercising. Those are parts of commitment of getting better. Then I think you start boiling down to so how much time do you really need to spend on on the practice range or the chipping green or the putting green? How much time do you really need to spend there as one component yeah. of an improvement plan? And, you know, I'm a firm believer that it's not about massive amounts of time, but getting as much out of your time as you can. So if you start giving right. it your... <clears throat> your guy that's working or lady that's working to start thinking about overall improvement with different factors then they've began then they they have a plan now well I'm going to eat better I'm going to exercise today a little bit I don't have to do a lot of anything but I need to do a little mm-hmm. bit of a lot of things within that component that's what you know not to not to advertise here but that's part of the R3 approach it's not all mm-hmm. about just beating balls as we've talked before Go to the practice right. tee with a purpose. What am I going to try to accomplish today? It just a, wasn't too long ago, and I may have mentioned this before. If I did, I apologize. But I had a, a young lady working in the shop there where I was at, and she asked me, how did my practice session go? I said, well, my practice sessions always go well. And she looked mm-hmm. at me like I was being cocky. I said, no, <laughs> don't misunderstand. I said, I go out there with a purpose. If it takes me ten balls to achieve it, I leave. If it takes me 100 right. shots to achieve it, I stay. So mm-hmm. if you go with a purpose 
of, okay, here's what I want to try to accomplish today based on what I've been reading or what I've been my coach is helping me with, then I'm going to go out and accomplish that, and then I'm going to go on to do something else. You know, and, and so if you get them to be believing in improvement that has many more factors than just beating balls on the range, I think you can get them to buy into more purposeful practice if it's part of an mm-hmm. overall program, not just, hey, you need to go to the range and hit a bunch of balls a day to make your swing better. So that, that's kind of the right. approach I take to it. Uh, it's a program of improvement, not necessarily practice. Right, and, and that's an excellent point that you bring up because really when you look at it from that approach, I think it, it, it does open the door to many more possibilities because you're exactly right. If you just uh, tell the student, okay, you need to go to the range and spend 30 minutes a day you know, uh, hitting balls or working, chipping or putting around the greens, um, and that's going to improve your game, there is a whole other area, um, nutritional mm-hmm. uh issues, um, physical fitness, and people are already starting to do some of that now. So now if we incorporate that into an improvement plan, then it sounds a lot, whole lot better to them and say, okay, you know what, maybe I don't need to spend 20 minutes uh, at the range uh, every day. Um, I can, you know, wield that back maybe just to a couple times a week instead of every day of the week or even mm-hmm. just once a week. But if I work on areas in other parts or components of my life, you know, eating better, you know, eating healthier, um, you know, getting out walking and exercising in some fashion, which many people are already starting to do, riding a bike, you know, whatever the case, you know, whatever uh, you enjoy doing, suddenly now it's a lifestyle change as opposed to uh, a practice regimen because that turns a lot of people off if they think that that's what they've got to do. Um, and, And again, golf is really not so much a physical game as it is a mental game. And if you if you put a individual in a situation where you're doing less mental re-educating, if you will, and more physical approach, uh, it can become a turnoff for a lot of people because, uh, again, it's it's work. Well, I'm already working 40 hours a week now. Now I've got to work an extra, you know, five hours to improve my golf game where maybe that's not necessarily the case uh, or needed, depending on the situation. So that's a great point that you bring up, right. and I hope that the listeners that are tuning in tonight uh, you know, really think about that, sort of unpack it a little bit more. And we'll talk about that more uh, again on a future show, because I think that's a great, yeah. uh, a great topic, really, to have. So thank you for that, Clint. Um, Chuck, I'm going <laughs> to... Checks, <laughs> checks in the mail. Um, yeah, it is. Thank Chuck, you. we want to come back... Yeah. Uh, Chuck, I want to come back, and I know we've already touched on this a little bit, and, and we're, we're talking about it now to some degree, but, you know, the mental game, uh, something, too, that the, the champions, if you will, again, whatever level, tend to, to have differently than many of our amateurs is the ability to overcome extreme challenges. Um, Lord only knows we get out in that golf course, and we can get ourselves in, in some pretty uh, unbelievable challenges out there. Um, but the difference with the better players is they've developed a skill set, if you will, not just the physical side of the game, but the mental side on how to overcome and how to uh, address some of those challenges. So talk about that a little bit, um, some of the things that you see out there and really how a, uh, a high handicap player can handle some of those same challenges that many of the pros are handling. Well, you know, I'll give you an example, um, a couple of examples, actually. So, you know, you see a lot of high handicappers just stand on a tee and there's water on the right. And the first thing that goes through their mind is, 
oh boy, there's water right, don't hit it right. Well, the brain doesn't distinguish do from don't. It remembers the word water. So normally they hit it in the water. Or they'll, whereas, you know, a championship golfer will acknowledge the fact that there's a, a potential hazard out there and they will, right. they will aim and strike the ball in a manner that will either curve or move sharply away from that, from that hazard. Um, today, an old guy's golf, you know, like I was telling you, we play on Thursdays. I'm sitting there with a the guy that's got to hit a shot over a bunker, and, and he's just, he's, I don't know, five yards short of the bunker. He's got to hit a shot over the bunker uh, to a pin that's right over the bunker. And the first words out of his mouth was, oh, boy, here we go. I can chunk this in the bunker pretty quick. He got up there, chunked yep. in the bunker. I said, well, you programmed <laughs> yourself to do that. Okay. Uh, championship golfers right. don't think about that, right? Right. I mean, if you're the average golfer and you're stuck in that situation, yeah, you can see the bunker. It's clearly there. Don't hit it at a, at a tuck pin. You know, hit it 20 feet past, so you, at least you got a chance to make a putt. So that I see those mistakes every single day out there. People, and that's part of the course management thing. You know, elite players, championship golfers, manage the golf course. They make, you know, they manage their game as related to the golf course. Uh, if it's a sharp dog leg left, for example, or a left pin placement, and they cut the ball. You know, and they fade it. They're not aiming at short-sided pins necessarily, unless they have a wedge in their hand. You know, if they're if they're uh, an average second swing or, or approach shot distance on the PGA Tour is around 175 yards, um, and that seems to be the yardage that gives them the most trouble too. Um, but they will they will aim a little bit if they're cutting it. They'll aim a little bit left of the pin, or they might aim exactly at the pin. But they know it's going to cut and be to the right of the pin to give them a chance for a putt. Um, yeah. And, the, and amateur golfers also, when they're aiming to the green, they will aim at a pin. It doesn't matter if it's if it's uh, the biggest side hill double triple bricking putt you can imagine. They're going to aim it at the pin. You know. Um, yeah. Or again, elite golfers are aiming for a place. Uh, I call it the zero line, and it could be left or right of the hole, uh, but it's on a line that it's the one place, if you're if you're in that quadrant, let's say, where the pin is, it's the one place that gives you the straightest putt. Instead of, uh, I'd always rather have a 15-foot straight putt than a 10-foot double breaker. I mean, it's just an easier putt to hit, you know? So, right. again, by going out with them and finding out what their strengths and tendencies are, you know, and changing how they approach their course management, um, that, that's a big help to them mentally. Get those negative thoughts out of there. Recognize that there could be a, a potential uh, hazard, but you know what? You hit the shot that cannot go to the hazard, right? And I tell them all right. the time, if you're somebody that, that, that fades the ball, and fades being a gentle word, or so uh, let's say you're a slicer of the golf ball, <laughs> yeah. You aim at a point, yeah. You aim at a point far enough down the left side of the fairway that even if you hit it straight, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're in the left side of the fairway. Yep. But they'll aim right, at the middle exactly. of the fairway, and then they'll slice it over into the desert here, 
in the woods up where Clint's at. So, you know, and that's an excellent point as well, Chuck. You know, going back to to your your bunker um, scenario, you know, you're exactly right. You know, the gentleman that you were playing with today, his first thought is, "Oh, you know, I'm going to hit it in the bunker." Where your PGA yeah. or your LPGA professional, they're thinking about where they want to position that ball for their next shot. Um, you know, right. they're thinking, you know, if it, if they're potentially looking at an opportunity to, to put it in a position that's going to give them an uphill straight putt, that's what they're going to do. So they're looking at the end result. And yes, they're cognizant and they're aware of any obstacles that might be away. And that, see, that's the difference is, you know, they don't look at it so much, uh, even though it is technically a hazard, they don't look at it as hazard. It's just an obstacle that they have to somehow get around um, but they're focusing on a specific target. It's just something that happens to be in their peripheral vision or in their uh, vision, if you will, um, being meaning the bunker. And unfortunately, our average golfer out there, they're not thinking about where they want to land the ball. They're thinking about how, what do I need to do to not get it into that bunker. So right away, they're bringing right. a, almost a double negative into the conversation. Um, and, yep. and really that's something that we need to, to sort of train. So Clint, I'm going to bounce this back over to you. We're going to keep on just for a few more minutes. We're going to keep on the mental sure. side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, let's talk about some specifics. Clint's given it certainly some examples of, of situations that we're going to find, uh, our golfers faced with and that, but what are some things that we can do to help our champions or our, uh, amateur golfers, we're going to call them champions for now to help strengthen their mind game. What, what are, uh, their mental game, if you will. What are some drills or what are some specific things that you like to do to help them develop uh, some mental strength out in the golf course? Well, I don't necessarily think of it as mental. I mean, they, they know, they know they're where they're at. They, they know their yardages. They have a, a mental thing. It's, I, I work more with a person about their emotional stability, you know, of right. nervousness and, and, and um, things of that nature of, of trying to develop a sense of, you know, it is a results-based game. I mean, I think we fool ourselves that way, you know, it's, don't worry about the results, just do this. I mean, I, I think that's foolish to think that way. It, it, we keep score, so results do matter. Sure. And right. so, therefore, if you, if you don't fool yourself into thinking that results don't matter, you have a better chance of maybe managing your way through it. It's it's simple um, in theory, but difficult in practice. It, it's just like the the bunker shot y'all were just talking about. The best players mm-hmm. in the world, the bunker, it's it's not even there. It's not it, right. they know it's not going in there because they've got the shot that they need to put the ball in the air and loft it. It's all about how far they're going to hit it. it. It's it's not whether they're going to get it over the bunker or not. It's it's how far do I need to hit this pitch shot to get it close to the hole. The bunker is just not even there. It, it, right. it only affects the type of shot they've got to play. Where they can't mm-hmm. bump and run it. So in their in their imagination, they know they can't bump and run it, so they've got to use a lofted club. That's the only thing that bunker is good for in their mind. So what I try mm-hmm. to do is put people in circumstances like that gentleman that Chuck played with. If I'm giving him a lesson the next time I see him, we're going to go out on the golf course, I'm going to put you behind this bunker and show you how to hit this shot. Those shots come down to confidence. Have I done this enough times to know that from an emotional standpoint, I'm not going to chili dip this thing trying to jab it up in the air? So the skill level that you have 
then know that you're going to be able to hit the trajectory pattern you want. And that's what we're talking about here. It's a trajectory pattern. Am I going to run it on the ground? I'm going to put it up in the air. What have I got to do based on the circumstances between me and where I want the ball to go? So trajectory pattern is important because most of us know that the more trajectory that an average player wants to put on the ball, the more it generally rolls on the ground because they're trying to loft it in the air. So we have to get them to a point to recognize the fact. It's just like when I'm working around the green chipping and putting, I ask a person, why do you use a putter on the putting green? Mm-hmm. Well, they never know the answer. The, que- the answer to that question is because it will make the ball roll without you having to do anything. Just hit the back of the ball, and it's going to roll. And the same thing with a sand wedge. I asked him, well, what is a sand wedge supposed to do? Well, put it in the air. And I said, well, for you to put the ball in the air with this club, what do you have to do? And invariably, well, you've got to get the club under the ball. You've got to do this. I said, no. I said, all you've got to do is hit the back of the ball with the face of this club, and it's going to go in the air. And so, therefore, what we have to do with these folks in these shot patterns of this nature is to put them in the circumstances, get them to emotionally trust the club they've chosen to create the flight pattern. All they've got to do is move it through the space. And if you ever get them convinced of that, they'll be able to put that ball on the green over that bunker because they begin to emotionally trust the club to create the shot pattern it was technically designed to do. And that's a, that's the approach I would take. When you got a back, we got fourteen clubs at least in the back. Some people carry more than that, you know. Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you just let the club do what it's designed to do? If you want to do something, I get to myself. If you want to do something and you have to do, then leave your driver at home and hit a seven iron off the tee all day and see if you can make it go as far as your driver will go. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. So that's why we have a driver. So trust your equipment, and that takes. That takes a certain level of technique, obviously. It also takes enough times to see it happen that you begin to trust the equipment and your ability to move that equipment through the space to hit the back of the ball where the ball will react to the club design. Then if you trust that, then you can focus all of your attention on how hard do you need to hit it to get it to go where you want to. And, and that's that, to my opinion, is why the guy chipped it, chunked it in the bunker. He didn't trust his equipment to create the job, so therefore he stayed focused so much on technique and trying to get the club to do something, he couldn't focus his attention on how far he needed to hit it and just yep. chunked it in the bottom. You're, you're, yeah, and, so, and, you know, it goes further Yeah, it goes further to the point, too. I think that a lot of uh, folks out there that are, you know, listening to the show that maybe fall into that category, you know, he, he's already set himself up. I mean, he had already certainly. set himself up initially for failure before he even pulled the club out of the bag as soon as he saw the shot he knew he didn't have the confidence level to execute that shot um so he just sort of willy-nilly tried something and hoped that it would you know have a, a good result and obviously let, had the result he anticipated you know anticipated right yeah let me add one thing there it's not confidence it's trust there's a difference i'm confident i'm gonna hit the shot one way or the other but I've got to trust right. my equipment. It's, it's a trust factor, not confidence. You have to be able to trust right. something before you can have confidence in it. We, we, Mike Lawrence and a lot of us, and we talk about this all the time, whether it's confidence, trust, or faith. You know, uh, And so mm-hmm. I, I don't see it as a confidence issue. You have to trust your equipment to do what it's designed to do. To me, that's the first step. That's why we take a putter on the putting green. 
we subconsciously make that decision because we see everybody else doing it. And we know it's going to roll because we've had plenty of experience with the putter that if you hit the back of the ball, it's going to roll. We need to develop the right. same amount of trust in the other equipment, particularly around the green, as we do in the putter to create the shot pattern we want. Not a single time do you play golf today did you think about making the ball roll with the putter. You thought more about how hard you were going to hit it. Right. Same, same thing with that wedge shot around the green. I'm not thinking about whether this thing's going to go in the air or not. I know it's going to go in the air. I just got to figure out how hard I need to hit it to make it go where I want it to. The same emotional and the same emotional and trust factors you have in a putter to create the ball on the ground, you have to develop that in the club that will put it in the air. And when you do, which is, like I said a minute ago, a lot easier said than done. But when right. you do, <laughs> but when you do, that number of shots you take within 15, 20 yards of the green is going to come down. Right. Because that ball is going to be on the really green working. now with a chance to putt. Right. And that's where it's, you know, you're going to make up a lot of strokes. You're exactly right. Uh, yeah. Well said. Uh, um, Chuck, we, we obviously, you know, we can't um, negate the, the physical side of the game. And, you know, you raised a, an interesting example um, with a player looking down and, and sl- making a club selection based on, you know, what his, his yardage uh, you know, Gadget told him uh, he should be hitting. Um, talk a little bit about, uh, again, the importance of understanding how far you're hitting your clubs and how you can go, what ways that you can do it, even on the range. I mean, obviously you can use equipment to, uh, to, to generally gauge it, but what are some things that you like to do with your students to get them, uh, again, as, as Clint pointed out, to, to gain and gather trust, if you will, uh, and the equipment they're using in order to help with the confidence. Well, so uh, our range is pretty heavily marked, uh, so we can see, you know, how far the ball ball's flying, uh, because we've got some pretty big signs out there. Um, what a lot of people don't take into consideration, though, uh, a lot of facilities uh, use range balls that were not going to fly as far as the balls they have in their in their bag, their play golf ball. So if they're standing right. there hitting a hitting a shot to the hundred yard marker, they think, okay, well I hit this hundred yards. They get on the golf course and it goes hundred and ten yards. So now they're thinking, Boy, I really caught that one. Well, no, it's that's how far you really get that close, right. okay? Uh, but uh uh, you, 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 the best player again. The best players in the world know within two yards of how far that ball is going to fly. And mm-hmm. so, when you're trying to instill that with golfers, you know the whole object w- with irons is how far do you carry it. It's not with with woods, you know, or uh, or fairway woods, driver or fairway woods. It's how far you carry plus the roll. And and if you're a, a, a higher handicap, you're a low ball hitter, um, you know, I mean, I've seen guys hit it, every single club in their bag, they hit it 20, 25 yards short of the green, I let it roll up because that's just indicative of how far their ball goes. So, again, the way that you can measure if you're out there playing with yourself or whether you're at the range is, you know, take take a club, take a seven or an eight iron, Find a good target that you can either borrow somebody's rangefinder or it's heavily marked 
sit there and, and, and hit, you know, 12 balls, okay? Take out the longest one, take out the shortest one. Try to find that grouping of 10 to give you your average of how far you hit it. Um, and we all know that we get people every single day that come to the range that swear they're hitting their driver 300 yards. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they're not even they're not even close. You know, they're hitting at 230. Right. But in their mind, they're hitting at 300. So if you think you're hitting that ball 300 yards, and then they turn around and say, well, how far should a 7-iron go? Well, 7-iron is going to go as far as you have the ability to hit it. And I always use this analogy. Corey Pavin's 8-iron was 138 yards when he was uh, in his playing days on PGA Tour. Well, I can remember at least four instances where he holed an 8-iron for Eagle from 138 yards. Now, John Daly might turn around and hit it 190 yards. So there's no set parameter, you know, uh, on how far you should be hitting the golf ball, all right? But you do need to know, and you can do that, again, like on the range, but but just you, you need to hit 12 ball samples or go out and find an empty field somewhere, pace off yardage, or just start with your with your eight iron. You know, pick a general target, hit it out there. Again, take out the longest, shortest. Take the other 10, now average those 10. If the average is 135, then it's 135. If it's 165, it's 165, whatever it is. Um, but you, you've got to establish and, and you've got to know how far you're hitting this club because if you're hitting your eight iron, let's say 135 yards or 130 yards, and you've got water in front or a bunker in front, and that covers 132, you're not hitting an eight iron swinging any harder. You're going to take the next club, choke down a little bit, and make a normal swing. Because if you don't know uh, how far you're hitting the ball, how far do you, and you have to cover this 130 to get it onto the green, how are you going to know what club to hit? The other way you can do it, just go right. out to the go out to the golf course when there's nobody out there, you know, by yourself. Pick a number. Usually they'll have it on a sprinkler head somewhere in your golf course or a pole, which is measured to the center in most places. Stand there and hit some shots. See which one hits it to the center of the green. And if it's a five iron, then it's a five iron. If it's an eight, then it's an eight, whatever it is. But you, you, you've got to be accountable to know how far you fly your clubs. And, and again, yeah. the only way you're going to find that, the only way you're going to find that is to go to the range, it's marked pretty good, have somebody with a range finder, or go to the golf course and hit it from the plate, from the plate markers, you know? But you got to know. Yeah, you, I mean, you've just got absolutely, you got to know, you know? There's no excuse yeah, you've today be able- for not knowing, there's no excuse today for not knowing how far you get your clubs. Um, even a 15 handicap or above, they have a general idea or they think they do of how far they hit every club. Sure, they're not going to hit everyone the same distance. They might skull right. one. The same guy that hits it on that flop shot, you know, in the bunker I was talking about, that same guy could also skull it into the bunker, you know? Right. So they're not going to hit the ball uh, exactly the same every time. That's why you have to take an average. I remember years ago I was in uh, San Diego, actually, uh, out by the racetrack, and I was doing a workshop, and I, we had about uh, 250 people in this workshop, 
And I brought a guy on stage and I said, well, how far do you hit your five iron? He said, well, one time I hit it 200 yards. And I said, okay, so you hit your two, your five iron 200 yards one time. So if you have a 200-yard shot, what club are you going to hit? And he goes, five iron. And I go, where does that usually end up? He says, short. And I go, just because you hit it one time 200 yards doesn't mean that's your 200-yard club, okay? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, and that's that's, a, it that's 200 a, yards. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's really boils down to you need to get out as you suggest. You need to get out to the range and and uh, you know really work on the yardages and understand uh, which each club does. And and Clint, just to finally just to sort of wrap up a little bit, I think equipment mm-hmm. is something too that that gets uh, underrated um, by a lot of golfers. They don't understand, uh, and and we don't obviously have time to get into all the the. Mm-hmm meat potatoes, if you will, of, of, uh, of equipment, but being properly fit and getting the right equipment for you is, is a process. You can't just buy something off the rack, uh, and go out there and play and expect to get good results. If it's not fitting you properly, just give us a couple of quick tips, uh, pointers, if you will, for those listening out there that are maybe new to the game or maybe have existing equipment. What should they be looking for? What are some identifiable markers, if you will, uh, when making a purchase for equipment. Well, gosh, yeah, that's a that's a whole week's <laughs> worth of conversation. Um, uh, unpack well, that you one, know, it, Yeah, and, and, and a quick thing. In today's world, nobody buys stuff off the rack. I mean, you can mix, match. Right. You know, like my set of clubs today, I won't mention the brand, but, you know, four of the golf clubs are the old standard muscle back, and then the rest of them are hybrids, you know. You, you would have never thought right. you'd have got that or even play with it. So, um, so you, you just have to try to find somebody in your local market that is knowledgeable, got the reputation for helping people refine their set makeup now. It's not a matter of buying this club over that club. It's a refinement of the right. makeup of your equipment. You know, uh, In today's world, with all the adjustable drivers and three woods, I mean, you can tinker with them. But in, in my world... The vast majority of people that play need to really pay attention to the type of equipment they're playing from about the 7-iron to their putter. 7, 8, 9, pitching wedges. In today's world with the wedges that we have, they they really need to try to, based on the golf courses that they play. You know, you mentioned right. a minute ago, here we kind of play mountain golf, so you got to put the ball in the air a little bit. So, you know, you want to have some wedges that, that maybe have a little more loft on than what you might find in Panama City or Arizona or wherever right. we're at, a little flatter ground. So it, it's really imperative, and, you know, to, not to, to publicize our profession, but find a good PGA guy professional or good club fitter in your area that will help you determine that set makeup first. Then the type right. of shaft you have in it and grip and all the details. But I, I really believe in today's world that the the makeup of your set, it, the old eight, you know, three through the pitching wedge and and stuff, those are that's long gone. And yeah. it, it's good that it is because now we we can can truly custom fit your equipment to the type of game you play. Um, and so that would be my my real quick. If there is a quick answer to that, find a local person <laughs> that that can help you find your way through that. Uh, because 
you can read every golf magazine this month, and they'll all have a different idea. Yeah. So we're all individuals, obviously. We all have different type of needs and where we play. Golf courses are different. And I would highly encourage the people that that are going to go talk to this person about their equipment, okay, to tell them where they play at and where they're having trouble with certain shots on that golf course to help them fit their Mm -hmm. equipment to their home course. I mean, how many people really play other than their home course? Percentage-wise, very few. So they really need to get their set makeup based on their home course and where they play the majority of their golf. And I believe that the, the only person that can help them with that is somebody local that knows them and and the courses they're playing. Yeah, well said. Um, obviously, there's a lot more uh, information, uh, sure. you know, that we could really talk about. But that that's a great uh, start and identifier for people to, to really think about um, because it is something that's important because, again, technology has changed a lot. And to just, you know, sort of buy a, a standard set um, when there's so many other options available. But again, you're, you're exactly right. You know, if you might take a, a trip here and there and play it at a course that you're not used to, but you're not going to uh, custom make your your set for that particular golf course if you're playing 99.9% of your, your rounds at your home course. You want something that's going to fit you well at your home course. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of information there. And, and definitely you want to uh, go visit your, your local um, club fitting pro, if you will, in the area and, and get them to help you uh, get that sorted out. Um, great discussion tonight, guys. I appreciate uh, a lot of the, the advice and, and tips and, and some very interesting conversation. And uh, as always, I'm going to give you guys a quick opportunity just to let the folks know where they can reach out if they choose. Uh, and uh, Chuck, I'm going to let you go first and then Clint. Okay. Uh, you can go to chuckevansgolf.com or ultimateguidetogolf.com. And all my contact information is there, uh, email, uh, phone number, all social media as well, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. It's all Chuck Evans. So um, reach out if you need some help with your game or you want to have your equipment looked at, and we'll uh, look forward to talking to you. Perfect. Thank you, Chuck. And Clint? Best way for Real folks simple. to reach you? Always is ClintGoff001 at Yahoo.com. If they'll send me an email with information, I'll give them a call back and be more than happy to have a conversation about uh, about most anything with the golf game, and particularly short game, as you well know. But it's ClintGolf001 at Yahoo.com. And, guys, it's been a pleasure again. I always look forward to the last Thursday. So y'all have a good weekend. All right. Thanks, Clint. All right, guys, thank you very much uh, again for an interesting Coach's Corner panel, and I look forward to the next uh, months uh, uh, with you guys back. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, guys. All right, that was the Coach's Corner panel with uh, Clint Wright and Chuck Evans, as always, uh, bringing their best. I appreciate it very much with a a healthy discussion on uh, identifying a champion and and how some of you amateurs out there can help your game as well uh, with some uh, very interesting uh, facts and tips uh, from uh, two of the best in the business. as I mentioned, uh, I was going to play a short clip, if you will, from our sponsor, uh, GolfSwing.com, and uh, mention a few other things uh, afterwards, and then I will get ready for my very special guests uh, that are going to be joining me here in just a few minutes. So uh, have a listen to uh, GolfSwing.com's uh, advertisement. Are you finally ready to improve your golf game? GolfSwing.com is changing the way golfers learn online. With the largest collection of golf training programs and drills on the planet, 
GolfSwing.com can help you improve every part of your game. Whether you want to gain more distance, hit it closer, or just sink more putts, GolfSwing.com staff of world-class coaches can help you gain the results you need. Watch unlimited videos on any device from anywhere in the world and start playing better, scoring lower, having more fun, and saving money. Get your fix on demand at GolfSwing.com. All right, and once again, thank you very much to the, the folks uh, at uh, GolfSwing.com for their continued support of the program here and uh, always look forward to uh, working with them. We've had a, a great relationship uh, thus far uh, with, uh, with them at GolfSwing.com. And again, just a quick reminder, at the end of the show, if uh, you want to go to GolfSwing.com and uh, subscribe to their website, they've got a great online video uh, academy, teaching academy, if you will, with some great video tips uh, from some of the best instructors around. Uh, again, if you just enter in uh, promo code uh, Golf Talk Live, uh, you'll save 50% off the subscription price. So uh, definitely want to check it out. And don't forget to join me as well. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Tuesday mornings I do a great show called The Women of Golf uh, with my very uh, good friend and uh, co host, uh, LPJ professional Cindy Miller. Uh, her and I uh, host that, where we really talk with a lot of uh, young and up-and-comers off the Symmetra Tour and even uh, recent uh, graduates to the LPJ Tour uh, that are really starting their journey in golf. And, and obviously, we get a great opportunity to interview some of the winners of, of uh, both of those tours, uh, as well as some of the legends from the game from the Legends Tour. So uh, definitely want to stick around. And uh, we also have a number of uh, great business uh, folks who are really doing their part to help elevate women in golf, uh, not just at the professional level, but uh, business-wise uh, as well, and, and, and teaching them really how golf can help them in their business life as well as their personal life, uh, which is some fun and, and uh, some uh, interesting opportunities uh, that it can, uh, golf can help make available. Um, as I mentioned, I've got uh, two great guests that are going to be joining me uh, here in just a few moments. Uh, of course, I'm talking about John Decker, and as I mentioned earlier, he is uh, regular as well, not only a guest, but uh, regular on the Coach's Corner panel every month. Uh, and joining him is his partner, if you will, uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano. Uh, she is uh, referred to as the golf doc. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them here in just a moment. Uh, and they are the hosts of a great new uh, podcast called, called Golf Swing RX Podcast, the prescription for your game. So let me just, uh, again, quick reminder, uh, join me Tuesday mornings on the Women of Golf Show from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And then every Thursday evening, I'm right back here on Golf Talk Live, again on the same network, blogtalkradio.com. And at the end of the show, uh, during the outro, there are some other great ways you can tune into the show as well. So uh, let me introduce my guests, and then I'm going to bring them on, and we're going to have a great uh, discussion about their new podcast, Golf Swing RX Podcast, the prescription for your game. Uh, first up, as I mentioned, is John Decker. He's an instructor with GolfSwing.com and a motivational speaker. Uh, he's also a former teaching professional at the New Albany Country Club. Uh, he was the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, prior to that, he was the head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, where he worked under top 100 instructors, Fred Griffin and uh, Phil Rogers. Uh, also, he has authored the book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which also has an accompanying Bible study. Uh, also joining him, as I mentioned, is his partner on the podcast, uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano. 
aka, AKA excuse me, the golf doc. Uh, she's a TPI certified doctor of physical therapy who is committed to helping golfers achieve pain-free performance without the need uh, for medications or surgery. Uh, her practice, Optimal Physical Therapy and Wellness, is located in Jupiter, Florida, one of the most well-established golf communities in the U.S., uh, the com combination of her skill set as a physical therapist and passion for the game of golf has fostered the quintessential marriage for expert niche creation in the golf rehab and fitness uh, community. So let me uh, welcome uh, two good friends and my special guests tonight, John Decker and Dr. Angelica Napolitano. Good evening, guys, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Ted, how are you Hi, doing? Hi, how are you? <laughs> hey, Angel, how are um, you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just um, trying not to talk over one another. So Sorry <laughs> I'm about doing that. great, though. It's, it's nice That's to be back great. with well, you guys again. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, before you guys came on board, uh, you guys actually had me just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, before I went on my holidays to California, you had me on uh, your show, uh, Golf Swing uh, RX Podcast, uh, The Prescription for Your Game. Uh, just two weeks ago, and uh, thank you again for that. I had a great time and, and actually had a chance to listen to it um, uh, here just recently, and uh, I really enjoyed the interview, and you guys did a fantastic job as always, and I appreciate you guys having me on your show, so thank you again for that. Of course, and uh, we love ha having you on, so anytime you're welcome, Ted, anytime. Yeah, Ted, well, it was a real pleasure. It. I appreciate Maybe you it. Maybe should say, go, right. go, John, go, Angel. <laughs> no, no, I, don't worry, I got this, I got this. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask each of you this. Um, you know, we're going to talk about, obviously, the podcast here in just a moment or so, but I think let's back it up a little bit, and and I kind of know the answer to this, but for those that, that maybe don't, you guys, again, have sort of come together uh, on this mission, if you will, uh, and, and producing this podcast um, but how did you guys first connect? So, John, I'm going to start with you, and then, and then Angel, if you want to jump in as well uh, as we go along and, and correct John, just in case he makes any mistakes. Um, but, uh, John, just sort of talk about how you guys first connected. Well, first of all, Ted, thank you again uh, for having us on the show. And, Angel, it's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Um, I think it was back in September or October of last year, um, I got a Facebook uh, friend request from, from Angel. And, um, and so I, re I uh, accepted a request, and um, I think it was uh, maybe a week or two later, she uh, sent me a message and said, you know, she'd been watching some of my golf videos and that we should connect. And so we started talking, and, and the first thing that really grabbed me when I was talking with her is her passion for helping other people, which is something that's uh, very dear to my heart. Um, I know that she does a lot of philanthropic work. Uh, she has a very caring heart. She works with with, uh, you know, just, just will do anything for you um, and for her patients from, um, you know, from all the reports that I've heard. And, and, um, and we got an opportunity to meet each other uh, in Orlando. Uh, we met at, because uh, I'm in Ohio and she's in, in uh, Jupiter. So we met just during the PGA show and we decided to form a partnership uh, because uh, I knew that um, there was a lot of things that she brought to the table that I see from, from a, as a golf instructor um, you know, I, I, can, I have the ability to tell people what to do to get better, but if their body won't allow them to do it, um, it's, it's kind of an uphill body. So I really, I really, one of my passions besides the game of golf and teaching is working out and staying in shape. And I, 
I, one of my goals is to be TPI certified. I know that she's TPI certified. Um, she's very good on camera. She's very attractive. She's very well-spoken and she's very intelligent and brings a lot of marketing skills uh, to the game. And I knew that for, for me, she was like the perfect package of what I wanted to partner with in a podcast. Perfect. Um, so Angel, let me ask you, um, uh, obviously, uh, John had some very uh, nice things to say in that, as, as I knew he would. Um, you had a chance, you connected through, through social media, and you had a chance to see um, some of John's videos that uh, obviously uh, was produced through golfswing.com, which coincidentally is a sponsor of the show. Um, and, and obviously, I know, I know I'm sure how you guys connected is pretty accurate, but you obviously saw a vision in this as well. Um, from your perspective, you know, you're not a teaching professional uh, per se in, in golf, but you do work with people that obviously get injured uh, in, in golf-related injuries and things like that, and you saw an opportunity to partner with John in some fashion. So sort of unpack that a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, on, on how that came about and what your thought process was in, in sort of moving to the, to the next stage. Yeah, so um, I want to say thank you for having us on again um, as well and um, for coming on our show a couple weeks ago. But um, so for John and I, I really honestly saw his videos, and I think it might have been the blue pants. No, I'm just kidding. He he has really cool. (laughs) I love the pants. The colorful pants got me, you know. But anyway, um, it was just like his – the way he could speak to people, he's not talking at, you know, he's not talking at you. He's talking to you. You know what I mean? And he had that ability to right. speak and the gift of gab that you say, Ted. Um, and he was uh-huh. very just, he came off very friendly to me. And when you come off in that certain way, you get that certain vibe, you know, people connect to that. Some people will, and some people won't depending on their personalities. And through video, I saw that with him and I was like, this guy seems really cool. He knows what he's talking about. Like, I'm not a teaching professional, but it seems like he knew the game, and he does. Um, right. And it was just very, very well done. And so I reached out, and I was like, I really like these videos. Like, you're great. You're great on camera. Like he said, I was great on camera. Like, John is, like, amazing. And um, he's like, yeah. And it, he wrote me back, and it was very – it was a friendly talk. We got on the phone. Um, and then ever since then, we've – just built this relationship and friendship through, um, you know, our different, our locations, thousands of miles away, but we still had this connection that just brought us together that we couldn't deny. And we're like, we need to do something with this. So it's not that I saw an opportunity or that he saw an opportunity. It was more of a, we should work together because we have something to bring to the table that's going to ultimately help others whether it's in their golf mm-hmm. game or preventing injury or whatever it may be. But it's nice that a golf professional sees the worth in a physical ther- a doctor of physical therapy who is um, using golf as their, their niche to um, target their patients and that they have a passion for. And he can respect that what I do links in with what he does. And he doesn't say, oh, I'm just going to, like, teach them a way around their functional, like, ability. You know, he understands what I do, and I understand what he does, and we respect each other through that. And through that mutual respect, we honestly built this relationship and this business collaboration, and we decided, let's let's do a podcast. <laughs> right. 
well, that was going to be my next uh, question, John, uh, really for you was um, sort of who originally came up with the idea of doing the podcast and just talk about a little bit some of the discussions that you guys had. Okay, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, when you first do it, and as I, I said to you on my uh, interview with you guys a few weeks ago, you know, I said that really I put a lot of thought process into what I want to do. I just didn't want to come on there and talk about how to fix this or, you know, how to correct that. Um, you know, issue. I wanted to be able to talk about a, a variety of different things. So, uh, talk a little bit, John, if you wouldn't mind. And then again, Angel, I'll let you to add to that um, in your words. But um, John, just talk about really sort of who came up with the idea originally of, of doing the podcast, and what was sort of the thought process and what you guys wanted to do. Well, originally, I, I'm pretty sure it was Angel as far as coming up with the idea um, because um, she's. I knew that that doing a podcast was something that that uh, I was not going to be able to do on my own. I knew that I was going to have to rely on her, and and she's done a lot of the heavy lifting as far as that goes. I knew that my skill set is in is presentation. I've done a lot of podcasts. I've been the guest since I wrote my book. I've been on a lot of shows. I've been on a lot of radio shows, um, and and so I'm used to being I'm used to doing this. So I knew that from my standpoint of be, being able to get my message across, I would do well. But the nuts and bolts of doing that, I knew that I, I didn't have that skill set. And so um, she kind of came up with the idea. I knew that, that we would team up and do very well together. And then we, we both, you know, coming up with the title and all that stuff, we kind of collaborated on that when we were down in Orlando. Um, and, but I knew that whether we did a podcast or whether we did something in video form, because eventually – uh, we would like to do some videos that where people could watch either online or they could either through golfswing.com or whatever platform we, we go through where we could do instructional videos and, and talk about specific parts of like, like the lower body, for example. She could talk about stretches and strengthening exercises and injury prevention and things like that, and I could talk about how the lower body is used in the golf swing. So that was kind of the idea. But as far as doing the podcast, I would say mainly uh, that she was – more into that because I know she felt comfortable in, in actually putting it together. Right. And, and Angel, talk about a little bit, and I know you both have sort of mentioned a little bit, but what was your vision, if you will, in your mind of really what you wanted to get across? In other words, what was the, the overall theme and purpose of the show? Um, you know, obviously you're interviewing a number of people. Uh, again, you had me on and, and you've had some others on. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But um, what was sort of the in, in your mindset, if you will, when you were thinking about doing a podcast, what was the message that you really wanted to relay to, to the uh, listeners out there? Yeah, so the message was pretty simple, and I think we're, we're establishing that pretty clear uh, so far, and mm -hmm. that is basically to have people on that can ultimately help your game through holistic wellness. So I have that as far as the physical therapy aspect and the movement aspect. And if you take a person and you show them how to, you break down a golf swing and you show them this is how you're supposed to do it step by step. Now, okay, that's great, but can that person physically do it? Um, probably not, <laughs> as we, both, we all right. know. Um, they probably can't. Right. And so – so John, um, you know, is on with me because he brings to the table that skill set and that expertise as a teaching professional. And on my side, I'm an expert of movement. 
and I can find your physical limitations that combined with what he teaches and how I can correct your limitations, you can take those two, make it, you know, a great swing. And not only that, but I, we have people on there that talk about, you know, pelvic health and wellness for the golfer as it relates to your pelvic floor. This is just an example, but I had a, um, another right. physical therapist who's a specialist in that. And you, you don't, honestly, the general public does not know how important those types of things are and how detrimental it could be to something going on there and what dysfunctions you may have. If you think they're not a dysfunction, they are a dysfunction. And she points that out. And for the golfer, there's a lot of rotation. So that really messes with our pelvic floor. And our pelvic floor is very important in the function of reproduction, you know, urinating, all of those types of things. And so that's a big part of life, right? So, um, right. you know, that's just one, ex- that's just one example of like what we've had on the show. We've had, you know, fun ones where we do like random review of the week of like a training aid, you know, we, we make it fun and we make it easy for the the listeners to listen and to gain insight and feedback to things that they probably don't know. And the knowledge that's not just so general that you, Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And it's, it's kind of like eye opening and we're really just serving uh, the population with the expertise and the knowledge and education that we have. And we've done pretty good uh, with that so far. Uh, we also had um, Dr. Brian Broussard and Dr. John Broussard on, um, and they talked about, well, uh, Brian is a golf physical therapist as well. He specializes in golf. And then his brother is a DO and he uh, specializes in regenerative medicine. And so talking about stem cells, you know, prolotherapy, PRP, all those things are stuff that people want to know about. They're the hottest trends, you know what I mean? And these things help our population because our population, a lot of times, may be the, the aging uh, person, right? So stem cell and, and PRP is great for that. We degenerate within our bodies. We get tendinitis from overuse. So the golfer, we're overusing for 18 holes, you know, and for, you know, right. how many shots per, per hole. So that's a very repetitive overuse. So these things are very important. And I think John and I nailed it when coming up with our, um, our guests to interview and uh, just keeping it positive, fun, and informative. Well, and, and, and John, that goes to, um, again, obviously the theme of your show is, is what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to th- certainly throw some instruction in there as well and, and talk about some of the, the do's and the don'ts, if you will, on how to uh, play your best out in the golf course. But you also want, uh, with Angel's help, to be able to help prepare that individual because that's, you know, she raised some very interesting points. A lot of people don't understand when it relates to the golf swing how the body connects uh, throughout the golf swing. So having somebody there that can explain that a little bit better and also uh, through various guests um, really gives you um, and the listeners an opportunity um, to sort of work together through that process. Um, you can explain certain things that she can explain uh, other things, and you sort of work as a partnership, if you will, in doing that. So when you're putting your thoughts together and, and getting topics prepared uh, for upcoming shows, What's some of the dialogue that you and Angel have in saying, okay, this is something, an area that I think we can really expand on? What's that, that uh, conversation go like? Well, first of all, the, the standard line I have with Angel is I'm not a doctor, but I play one on Facebook. So 
Um, I do, I'm not a, a, a medical expert, so I've learned a lot by just listening to her and, and watching her videos and watching the show. But we talked about, you know, we've got some power-packed, uh, really uh, great guests. I mean, we had Fast Eddie Fernandez, the guy I used to work with at Grand Cypress, who's a long drive. He's a master. He's the 2018 Masters Long Drive Champion. He was just on the Golf Channel just recently. So he's he's um, you know he's hitting the ball 400 yards at the age of 48. And so we talked a lot about we wow. talked about the technique of that. We also talked about you know the physical side and and his recovery and the things that he does on on that side. Um, I just confirmed today that Fred Griffin, who is my former boss and mentor he's going to be on the show as well i can he confirmed that with me today mm-hmm. and he is a finalist he was a finalist he made it to the final four for the pga uh t- this year's 2019 pga uh teacher of the year and also eric eshelman who was announced on the golf channel last night as the 2019 pga golf professional of the year one of my really good friends in fact he was in my wedding um, he, I reached out to him and we're going to have him on the show when things slow down, but he is right now, he is on XM radio. He is all over, uh, the country right now doing all kinds of interviews and stuff. So I'm really excited, uh, to get him on the show. That probably won't be until the end of the year, but you know, when we were sitting right. down, we would talk about, about each one of our things that, that, you know, things that we could bring to the table and, and then we wanted to break it down into specific subjects where we might talk about, upper body or lower body or wrist injuries or things like that. So, um, but, but right now, you know, uh, it's been really crazy because our very first show we had had, we were going to do a show on, I think it was going to be on wrist injuries and we were going to talk about grip and things like that. And then Tiger, Tiger Woods wins the masters. And and we got on the phone and we're like, forget that. We're going to talk about Tiger Woods winning the masters. And so, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, we, we're pretty much going with the current trends and what's hot at the moment because we can plan it all out and then something major changes so so but so far it's flowed very nicely we work well together and we communicate together you know on a regular basis so we know what's going on yeah and and that's important i mean you've got to be um certainly you've got to be current and you know as we talked about um on your show with me you know you have to really find uh, an area in 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 golf or whatever it is that you do that you're passionate about. And each of you have uh, obviously a different passionate, but at the same time, when put together, um, create, uh, you know, something else that can, uh, you know, manifest manifest itself, if you will, into uh, a whole different area. And, you know, John, with your, with your golf instruction and Angel, you know, with uh, physical therapy and, and wellness, you know, you can bring a whole thing. And a lot of people might be sitting there thinking to themselves right now, listening to the show, and they're saying, okay, well, you know, I understand, yeah, it's great. We'd get some golf tips, and it's great to, to understand how the body works and things like that. But how's, how does that help uh, my golf game? So how do you, Angel, how do you explain that? How are you going to uh, relay that to the listeners in such a way that they're going to understand the importance of what it is that you're trying to do with the show? So, as far as the body and, and when it comes to the golf swing, um, not everybody's going to have the same issue, right? We're all different in our bodies. Right. We all function differently. We all move differently. But we all have the same parts, uh, essentially. So if you are noticing a, you know, you're not getting a lot of power and distance and, and all these things, that, a lot of that comes from your takeaway. So what happens during your, what do you need to not be restricted during that? 
And we talk a lot about, you know, we will be talking a lot about those types of things. So, you know, if you can't load fully into your backswing, that's, a pro- that's probably why you're not getting, you know, your power and your distance. And there's probably a lot of, of, of limitations there in your uh, thoracic spine, which is your middle spine area between your shoulder blades, right? We need, we need that rotation there. Or you might have a lot of tightness in your shoulder. Or when it comes to John, it could be maybe their grip is off or, you know, they're standing too far from the ball or something along those lines. Um, but when it comes to the body, we want to break down what it is that the swing needs um, and what the body needs to carry out and execute that ultimate, powerful, long-distance type swing, you know, um, that's going to be straight right. on, too. We're not trying to, you know, shank it and, and hook it and all those things. So we want to get people to realize that, this is a game, again, of repetitive overuse. If we're repetitively using something that's not working, there's going to be an injury at some point. It's not if an injury, it's, it's, it's when the injury comes, you know. And so people really need to take care of their bodies if they're avid golfers. Um, even just if you're going out here and there with friends, uh, you know, sometimes and you enjoy it, you still need to take care of your body. You need to take care of your body in general to live a long, healthy life and a happy life because we only have one and we, we, we live in it forever. Um, and, and so if it's not properly functioning right and moving correctly, it doesn't matter if you're a golfer or not, you're going to have problems and you're going to be hurting and it's going to affect your life. So that's the important thing that I want people to understand that it's not come to me when you have an injury. It's not let's talk about why you have this injury. It's let's, let's prevent this injury. And let's get your swing good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's something too, that, you know, it obviously is a conversation that uh, a lot of golfers don't have um, and, and, and really can't have John with somebody like yourselves about injuries because, you know, we're not trained in that area as Angel is. And so for us to, you know, we can certainly talk about it. Yeah. You know, I get a sore wrist too sometimes or, um, you know, or my feet are sore from walking around the golf course, whatever. I mean, we can come up with all different scenarios, but again, it's not really understanding um, how the body works. Um, we can only, through our limited uh, knowledge, it really explain that. And, and uh, something I want to talk about here with, with you guys is uh, earlier this evening on the Coach's Corner panel, John, I know you're very familiar with that. Um, <laughs> we talked about, you know, really identifying and building a champion, if you will, and, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of golfers um, sort of shun away from is practice time um, because they're not really wanting to spend a lot of time and or they, they overspend time on the practice, uh, you know, course or what have you, uh, the practice tee rather. And they don't really get uh, the full benefit from it or they end up practicing so much, they're hitting uh, so many golf balls out in the practice tee that they end up creating an injury. So do you want to, through this show, through this podcast, really, in addition to explaining some of the injuries, talk about from a preventative standpoint and how to get the most out of their practice sessions without overexerting some of those uh, areas, whether it be muscles or joints? Um, is that something that you guys are going to put together 
in some of your conversations for future shows as well? I think that that's a great point. And, you know, preventative maintenance is, is one of the things, you know, how to properly warm up, um, you know, the things that you uh, should be doing, you know, uh, before your round, before you ever get to the golf course to make sure that you're, you're ready to go. Um, and then obviously dealing with injuries, because I deal with a lot of students who um, I have a, had a, a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a high school kid who had gone to a golf camp. He had, he had injured his thumb there. Uh, because he'd hit a lot of balls. And so um, we were working through that. And so I was basically, hey, we need to stick with the short game. And I told him, he was asking me questions, medical questions. And the first thing I told him is, I'm not a doctor. I said, you need to go to a doctor right. and get this looked at. Because the last the last thing I'm going to do is put my neck out on the line and say, oh, yeah, you can get through that. And then something serious happened. So, you know, you always have to look out. Just, you know, um, you have to look out for the wellness of your of your student, whether they're a patient, uh, you know, as a doctor would, or whether they're a student in a lesson. And so that's important, you know, that, that we do that. So I think, you know, the body will tell you a lot. I've always said that when you hit a good shot, it usually doesn't hurt. So um, I'm a big believer that a lot of injuries occur. And like Angel was saying, if you repeat the same thing over and over and again, and it's the wrong way to do it, you are going to wear out really fast that some part of the body. And it's usually either in the lower back, it's in the wrist, uh, elbows, and shoulders. That's what I've seen from my experience. And so I always want someone, when they hit a golf shot, to have the weight of their body supported into the left hip and their left heel so that, and they're in a balanced position so that the body is absorbing the energy of the shot and not the wrist and the elbow and the arms and things like that. So I, I think that the combination of technique, preventive maintenance, all those things are definitely topics that we, we want to talk about. We talked a lot of uh, those types of things with, with Eddie when we had him on, and, and we'll be doing more of that in the future. Yeah, and Angel, I think also, too, uh, in addition to, um, you know, opportunities to talk about preventative maintenance, but also um, the correct motion as well. I mean, for the golf swing. And again, as I mentioned a few moments ago, you know, a lot of people really don't understand how the body works in the golf swing and what moves first and, or what should certainly move first. And a lot of times this brings on injuries because they're moving different components of their body in an incorrect form. Uh, because obviously the golf swing, John, as you know, is actually, believe it or not, is uh, made up of a natural movement. Our body can swing in a natural rhythm. But if we, you know, lean incorrectly or we set up incorrectly, uh, you know, it, it can alter that. So is that an area too that, that Angel, that you guys want to get into is to talk about the correct movements uh, within a golf swing from not only John's perspective, but your perspective as well? Yeah, without a doubt. That's one of the most important things. Um, I just real quick want to kind of go back to the question you asked John on listening to your body and preventing injury it's very important to listen to your body. And if your body is tired, if you are doing certain things that you normally don't do and you're getting frustrated, that means you need to rest. You need to, the next day, do not practice, do not do anything, sleep, drink a lot of water, eat good food, rest. Hugely important because you will go back the next day and you'll be even worse than the day before. But if you take that day to rest, and then maybe the next day do some gentle stretching and a gentle, you know, light workout, and then you get back at it, you're going to notice such a difference in your game. 
because your body needs to reset, your nervous system needs to reset. So I wanted just to make that point clear that that mind-body connection comes from our nervous system. If our nervous system isn't responding or our nervous system is high, like it ramps up in the high speed and we're fight or flight mode, then we can't accomplish anything. So that rest is necessary. Um, and then as far as your question with the, the motions and like the sequencing of the swing, yeah, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's certain times during the swing where we need something to be like uh, during the downswing, right? During that transition, we need to open up our hips. We need to like start turning, right? And we need to get that, those mm-hmm. hips to rotate. That's the first thing. So, okay, I can tell you that all day, but how do I get that to happen is what people want to know, right? How do I get those? Right. Because I'm not, you know, they, they might try and they're like, I'm not doing what they said on the podcast. Uh, but how do I do it? It's the how, you know, and that's where I come in. Oh, well, this is how you do it. Um, and, and so that's very, you know, important and respected knowledge to have and to provide to people because if they take that advice and they actually do the work, they will see significant changes and they will see no injuries or hopefully no injuries. Um, I can't guarantee that. But, you know, and, and, and when someone sends you a swing – you know, I'm just putting that out there. Do you know, face on and from the side. You know, frontal view and side view. Like, if you want to send a swing, so we need to see the whole picture, right, John? Um, exactly. Exactly. It's very, it's very important to see from all angles of how the person is moving because you, one view is no view, and you need to look at it all, and you really need to capture it. Um, and the eye is not specifically the greatest tool to capture it. You need slow-mo you need that those those high-tech you know um types of devices and things to really capture the swing ultimately but like i said if you want to slow-mo it down and someone sends you a a video from the side in the front is is necessary to really ultimately look at the swing and go this is what's going on so um yeah emotions are very important because emotions are where we get stuck and where we're not Mm -hmm. um basically initiating and doing things that we need to, to, to get that shot perfectly, to make, to make it to the tee or not the tee, the the green, you know? Um, So if we don't have those motions, how are we, or we don't know how to gain them or how our body can get that, that skill, we can't, we can't move forward. I mean, anybody can swing a golf club and hit a ball, but it's, it's not going to be pretty most of the time, you know? So um, it's very important. I'm, bl- I'm glad you brought that up. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, you know, and, and John, it just goes to, you know, what we've talked about many times on Coach's Corner, um, you know, fixing a lot of the, the problems, typical problems that most golfers have, whether it be a slice or a hook or something like that, is actually easier um, once people understand how the body moves in the golf swing, because really a lot of it can be something simple as uh, the direction that the club face is pointing uh, can f- often fix uh, or how the cr- uh, club is being gripped uh, either properly or improperly. So a lot of these typical f- fixes that we see in, in most people's golf games um, are, are actually easier to fix than, than what people realize what isn't always easy is what Angel just described is that if, if the sequencing is off uh, and the person doesn't understand that, um, 
and and why the body is moving, uh, you know, counterintuitive to what it should be, uh, it's because they're doing something wrong maybe in their setup and that. And that's really where you're going to come in is to talk about getting them in the proper positions right from the get-go in order to allow them to make those proper swings, correct? That is correct. Um, you know, I've I've taught at every level. I've taught on the PGA Tour. I've taught beginners. And the one thing that I focus on the most is the setup. And and tour players spend more time working on their setup. I heard an interview one time where Tiger Woods said he spends two hours a day working on his setup. The average golfer doesn't yeah. spend two hours a year working on their setup. He spends two hours a day because – People don't realize when you're on the golf course, you're not hitting off mats and you're not hitting off level lies like you get on the range. You're hitting off all kinds of uneven lies. And over time, you'll start cheating um, because of you, uh, the flaws in your swing. And so the setup is critical. Yep. The, the, the sequencing and the motioning that, you, that, that happened that Angel was talking about, none of that can occur if you don't hold the club properly. Because if you hold the club improperly, it stops all of those sequencing because you have to somehow square that club face up. And if you're holding the club wrong, that means you have to use your hands uh, to square the club face up, which causes you to lose power, lose control. You don't get your weight shift. You don't get any of those things that, that, that the tour players get. So how to hold the club is so critical. The club face really determines your golf swing. So there's so much that, that we work on, you know, with the setup and, and the thing is, is it's not like you fix it and then you don't ever have to touch it again. I've always said that your flaws, are, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when I was working with Bob Sowers, who, who played on the tour, you know, I, he had some tendencies in his golf swing. And I said, Bob, it's like being a, a, an alcoholic. I said, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. That means you've always got to work on this. You can't say, well, I fixed it. You've never fixed it. You always have to yeah. work on it. So that's where the training uh, we're a, a, a really good golf professional. And if you're out there and you're wanting to get instruction, I mean, we can do online instruction, but if you have a pro at your local facility, it's important that you have the knowledge of why your ball is doing what it's doing, you know, and, and know what to do to fix it. If you're having physical issues and you need to find a, 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 you know, a doctor of physical therapy, or you can send videos to angel as well. These are, these are ways that you can enjoy the game um, and, and I've always believed that not, you know, knowledge is power. So the more I know about my problems, um, and the better chance I have to improve because I'm always trying to improve myself no matter what I'm doing. So, so these are things that I hope the listeners out there will, will gravitate to and realize that, that, uh, we all love the game of golf. It's a great way to spend time with the family and friends, but no one, including myself wants to go out and play miserably. I don't want to go out and play bad golf. I want to go out and play good golf. And I want to be, when mm-hmm. I get done with my round, I want to feel good. I don't want to be hurting. So these are important things that I hope the listeners will, will take to heart. Right. And, Angel, the other thing, too, that you, I'm assuming that you want to get across through uh, the podcast is uh, not only, you know, uh, proper uh, mechanic techniques, uh, swing mechanic techniques and things like that uh, and, and preparation, but – but also um, a healthier lifestyle for people as well. I mean, we talked about this was another uh, area that we talked about earlier uh, on my show on, on uh, the Coach's Corner segment, and that was is it's not just about going out to the range and, and beating balls and, and you know making putts on the practice screen. It's also about changing other areas of your life. For instance, uh, good nutrition, you know, eating healthier and things like that gives you more energy and allows you 
you know, your your muscles and things like that to regenerate properly. And obviously, as we age, uh, things do decrease a little bit. That's just part of nature. Um, but there's other things as well, and, and obviously uh, proper exercise. So um, I'm assuming these are things, too, that you're going to tackle on the show as well on future episodes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have nutritionists lined up to actually speak. Um, but on behalf of the nutrition side, yes, there are certain things for different sports, certain systems within our body that um, kind of correlate to the different sports and, and how much energy we are using and, and need to restore and reproduce. And produce. Um, so like the game of golf, when we go to hit a ball, it's a quick, fast motion. And so it's like a sprint in, in a way. So we need to feed that system appropriately as if we were a sprinter or just a quick burst of energy. And then the rest time in between from hitting the next ball needs to be appropriate um, to restore and replenish what we just gave away in that quick burst of energy with our swing. So like these topics are certainly important. um, And that's just, again, not common knowledge, right? Um, Many people don't know that, you know, a basketball player is more endurance, a marathon runner, it's very different types of food sources. And so in between rounds and, and stuff, what should you be eating? Um, what should you be eating in general to live a health, healthy lifestyle? That's very important because, yes, it is a holistic approach. And a lot of these people need to make lifestyle changes because, like John said, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, right? Once a poor movement pattern has developed over years in lifespans, that is not going to change overnight. So that's a lifestyle change and something that needs to be worked on forever. And I know that sounds like a hard commitment and a long commitment and it just ties you feel tired thinking about that but people need to approach these changes with enthusiasm and positivity and a mindset that's not gonna be fearful of the commitment and fearful of the change because that will ultimately fail you so mindset is also very important when it comes to these types of factors Um, because I know we all have fear of you know, failure, fear of commitment, fear of this, fear of that. And, and that, again, remember what I said last time, the F word, that's an F word. Fear is the biggest F word. And it's the biggest right. thing in our society today, holding, holding us back from achieving what we desire. So where does that come from? Your mindset. So adapting a good mindset, nutrition, exercise, all of these things are necessary for us to be our best selves. So, yeah, we're going to talk about everything, when it, not just the golf swing and what you need, but how to be healthy in general. So, yeah. Right. And, and John, you know, we've talked about some of these things as well on, on uh, the Coach's Corner uh, panel over the years as well, since, since you've been part of it and even before. But, um, you know, these are things that, you know, at first listen, if you will, um, the audience is probably – scratching their head saying, well, I don't understand. How is this going to help my golf game and that? And and really part of the purpose of your show is really sort of unpacking some of these things we've been talking about here tonight and, and explaining it in such a way that people will see the benefits. Because one of the problems that most golfers have, and you know this as an instructor, as do I, is they're always looking for this quick fix. They think, well, if I could just tweak this or tweak that, I'll hit the ball straighter and further, and I'm going to you know, uh, shoot lower scores. And certainly those things can help from time to time. But the big picture is, um, and I equate this to with a regular job, 
you know, when you apply for a job, you come in with a certain skill set. Um, you know, even as a as a new employee uh, and a younger employee, you know, you come in with certain skills, whether it's a college degree uh, or or other employment uh, uh, skills that you've brought along the way, and you come in and apply those skills to that job. But if you come in with nothing and you're ill-prepared, then you're not going to be successful at that venture. And this is what often happens, I think, with, with some of our golfers in there is they come, they're not, you know, they don't eat well, they don't really take care of themselves, they're, you know, maybe extremely overweight or very unhealthy, and they can't understand why, number one, they're not swinging the club very well because they're out of shape, and number two, they have very low energy. And these are things that have really become a problem um, in the golf industry with, with some of our, our recreational golfers is that they're just not taking good care of themselves. So obviously, these are things that you guys want to tackle as, as we just discussed. Um, but what about um, things like, for instance, we've talked about preventative maintenance um, and you're obviously going to cover specific injuries in that, but is there going to be sort of a post-round discussion as well? So when people come off the golf course, uh, and I know, John, this is more of, of Angel's thing, and, and Angel, I want you to, to jump in here as well, but is there going to be a discussion uh, or discussions on your show, if you will, about post-round uh, things, what they can do to help in, in recovery um, from your standpoint, John, and then from Angel? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Ted. Um, we haven't specifically talked about that subject, but I think it, we could do it because, for example, um, in a post round, now I realize that you know most people when they're done playing golf, they're going to go to the to the bar with their friends and they're going to sit down and have a drink. And there's nothing wrong sure. with that. I want people to go. I want people to go out and play golf and have a social. It's you know it's they're not training to play for the you know try to qualify for the U.S. Open. Um, so the average golfer's not so. We want them to do that, but but what I do want my students, from my perspective, what I want them to do is sit down and add up, okay, how many fairways did I hit? How many penalty shots did I have? How many putts did I have? How many um, greens and regulations did I hit? And how many sand stains, ups and, up and downs? So I want them to do their post-round analysis that way so I could cover that side, and then Angel can cover the side, okay, um, you know, are are we drinking, you know, were we drinking enough water during the round? Um, you know, what, were we, um, you know, were we fatigued? You could talk about, you know, are, are there any aches and pains, things like that. So she could talk more about that side. So that's a, that is certainly, um, you know, you know, and especially if we had the right guest on, uh, that is certainly a subject matter that we could cover. Um, and, and I think that um, Angel and I sh share the same passion for physical fitness and working out, and um, and we also want those that maybe uh, are on that, um, you know, that are have the same passions that we do, uh, because we want the show to not only help you become better golfers, but we want your quality of life to be better, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what sport you play. So hopefully we could get some crossover, you know, from that. And who knows, maybe have some guests on that maybe aren't in the golf industry, but are in other aspects that could help uh, other sports, uh, you know, that, that could be translated to golf as well. So that's a, that's a great point though, Ted. I like the idea. 
Well, and, and Angel, I think it's just, again, you know, people after the round, as John suggested, I mean, certainly they want to go and have fun, and that's the whole purpose of golf. It's to have fun, and, yeah, there's a little competition, too, for some um, along the way. But ultimately, you know, we do want them to have fun. But in the real world, you know, you want them to, to have a, a good experience, and you want them to have the skills and the knowledge of how to handle their physical side, if you will, and their emotional side uh, post-round so that – uh, it, it maintains that good experience and uh, continues on. So the next time they're going out, they're not thinking, oh, gosh, yeah, I remember when I played last, you know, last uh, Tuesday or something like that. I felt like garbage, you know, the next day. And and you want to provide them with a skill set of not only how to handle themselves on the golf course, but after the golf course to make it a, a, a more well-rounded experience. So, uh, again, you're going to talk about some of those things, correct? Yeah. Um, and it really comes down to about making healthier choices. Uh, that's a big one when it comes to post-round recovery. When people go and they go to the bar or they're even drinking while they play, we have to consider the heat, especially during the summer and especially in Florida. So if right. you're, if the heat is huge. We have to stay hydrated. So if you're drinking on the course while you're playing, drink water in between. Um, if you're not, drink water, water, water. Um, and after, if you're going to go have fun, have a bite to eat, have a couple beers, drink water in between and make a healthier choice. Don't get maybe the chicken wings, you know, maybe get, right. you know, a grilled chicken club sandwich and, and, you know, fruit. I know this is hard to, like, just kind of grasp these concepts and really put them into play, but it's going to help you the next day not feel like crap. Um, and if you do feel like crap the next day, taking that back to the course when you go to play again, you're going to do the same stuff you did because those emotions are tied to one another and your your mental state is not going to forget that. Your nervous system is not going to forget that because that memory is triggering it. And so you're going to play the exact same way and you're going to do the exact same thing to piss you off. So, again, you know, meditation is great for recovery. Cryotherapy, which is cold. Um, a lot of ice baths or going to a cryotherapy type spa. Um, those new float spas with where you float um, in water and Epsom salt, uh, those are great for recovery. Foam rolling and gentle stretching, just, you know, like I said, meditating and just resting um, and eating healthy and drinking water are really big things. And, yes, we will discuss these, these things because they are very important. It's like, it's almost mm. like, talking about what you do post-exercise at the gym. If you go in and you go lift right. heavy and you're like, you know, it's just the same concept because golf is an activity. It's, it's, it's a sport. Exercising is an activity, you know, sport. Everything kind of comes together and uh, you have to do recovery and you have to do post-round things that are going to make us feel better. You don't go to the gym and then go eat McDonald's and have a beer after. Do you? No. People go to the gym. Then they have their shake or they eat a healthy meal, right? Same thing goes for golf. It's no different. Um, but right. going to the gym is not as social as playing golf. So that's where the problem occurs. And that's where we get that, uh, you know, kind of confusion with what we should do after and how to recover. But it's really ultimately the same thing. So just think about that when, when you're go after golf. Go have your fun, but be responsible and smart your choices and how you're going to approach that post-recovery and post-round type behavior. Right. Well said. Um, 
and, and John, just sort of to, to wrap up, there's uh, something that I'm going to talk about here in just a little uh, a moment or two, but I want you to to also mention um, you've obviously developed uh, some additional par partnerships and sponsorships, if you will, um, with uh, some folks uh, in addition to myself uh, at golfswing.com. Just talk a little bit about that, and and uh, obviously, um, and then I'll talk about uh, Golf Talk Live. Well, well, golfswing.com. Golf uh, I've been with them uh, now um, for about a year and a half, uh, and uh, it's been just a great experience. Um, and it's a great way to go on and get um, uh, great instruction um, from a lot of great teachers, um, including uh, Hal Sutton, who's a who's a tour player, former tour player, um, and and he does some playing instruction videos. But basically, um, the, the videos are set up in – there's different series. You can do – you can watch short game series. You can watch full swing. There's, a, there's Bobby Wilson, who's a long drive champion, is on there. He has a, a bunch of video series and, uh, for, for hitting the ball farther. I did a short game series called, called Pitch Perfect. Uh, it's 108 videos um, that I filmed over three days uh, in Dallas, and I uh, did that, and, and, and it's, it's done very well. Um, but um, if you go to golfswing.com uh, forward slash John Decker, um, I spell my name J-O-N-D-E-C-K-E-R, um, you can um, see, see the videos that I've done. And, we're, and the partnership uh, with the PGA of America will be coming up uh, in the beginning of the year, and I'm real excited about that. Um, and I think that's going to uh, really elevate golfswing.com to another level. Uh, and opening it up uh, to, to more videos, and, and it's just a it's a great way for for someone if they if a lot of my students is um, you know all of my drills are on there, so um, it's a it's a, a good way for them to do follow up instruction with me as well. Right, and they're also um, you know uh, in a sense sponsoring and supporting. Uh, your podcast, Golf Swing RX Absolutely. podcast, yes, yeah, um, as Absolutely. well, uh, and as well, yeah, as well as I am with uh, with Golf Talk Live. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to to sort of throw my support is because, you know, obviously I, I do my programs here, and and they're uh, obviously different than what you guys are doing, and and that's what makes it unique is the fact that you guys are doing something. Um, um, that's specialized, if you will. You're talking about obviously instruction, but you're also talking about the uh, the physical side of of the game as well, in, in more detail and more depth. And one of the things that we've talked about that I want to do in the interim, um, and I'm going to tell about the longer term, uh, is beginning next month, uh, you guys are going to come back on uh, once a month uh, through the end of the year, and with specific topics. And we're going to, you know, we'll talk about that at a later point, but. Uh, and and actually come on uh, Golf Talk Live and talk about some of the different things that maybe some of the ones that we've talked about tonight and maybe some of the other ones as well. And really, this is in preparation for next season. Uh, in the new year, I'm going to be launching, as we talked about on your show here a couple of weeks ago, uh, a brand new network called iGolf Sports Network. And one of the things that I plan on doing is sort of expanding, to, Angel, to what you talked about earlier, is um, adding sort of that visual uh, component uh, to your podcast. So essentially what we're going to do through the iGolf Sports Network is there will be a, uh, a regular segment of the Golf Swing RX podcast, um, but now we're going to add a little twist to it. Instead of uh, purely an audio format, it's now going to have the visual component. So this will allow you guys, as you've talked about here tonight, to really showcase some of the uh, issues and some of the concerns 
both in the instructional side but also in the health and wellness side uh, of the game and, and have some great uh, guests on, on that segment as well, uh, like nutritionists and things like that, to really open up the doors and let people see um, how they can improve their, their golf game, but also how they can improve their life overall. And this is something that I'm really excited about, and I'm happy to partner with you guys and having you come on board as a regular contributor uh, to the iGolf Sports Network. I think it's going to be a great partnership, and uh, we're going to sort of get that going here over the next several months uh, with the Golf Talk Live format uh, as we transition into iGolf Sports Network. So I'm really excited about that, and I'd love some some uh, feedback from you guys uh, about that uh, uh, as well. Uh, Angel, I'll let you go first. Uh, some feedback, con- uh, considering us being on your show every month and the <laughs> iGolf sports thing. Yeah. Um, like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Uh, we're ready. We're excited. We, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the feedback. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when, when John and I like started this, we didn't expect, we don't expect anything to come of it, but just to help others. Um, and, of course, we want a lot of listeners because we want to help a lot of people. But with your, you know, um, connect, connections and help and our friendship and our relationship that all three of us have, I, we, really, we really think this is a great um, venture. And it, it's a good little trio um, to kind of just, like I said, help people. And, and what we talked about on our podcast last month or, yeah, last month or this month, a week ago, about just, being able to use media as an outlet to reach more people and to serve more people. And, you know, it's not about the numbers. It it is when it comes to us wanting to serve people, but it's not about that. It's about, you know, it's, and they say it's not about what, what you're doing. It's how you feel about what you're doing. That makes the difference. So if we feel something about what we're, yeah, if we feel something positive about what we're doing, um, that's making a difference, but yet we don't have that many listeners. It doesn't matter. I, we could have one listener, but you know, just vibrating that energy into the universe. Um, and I'm getting all like spiritual on you guys, but uh, it, it it does send a message to people. And I think all three of us are very good people, and we're we're very um, selfless. Self, we'll, we show a lot of that, you know, in our work. So uh, we're excited, and we can't wait for iGolf Network and uh, iGolf Sports Network. Um, you know, we, we just want to get it going. And like I said last time as well, yeah. a lot of ideas are flowing. A lot of ideas are flowing in my head, and uh, you, you got to act on them. And I told you I would write them down and let you know. And so, yeah, that's my feedback. Perfect. Um, and, and John, you know, we, we've talked a little bit more at length uh, about this, you and I, and, and I haven't really said a lot on the show uh, as of yet, and, and this is really, uh, I've, I've briefly mentioned it a couple times in the past, but not really said a lot, and, and I'm going to continue that for the next little while, just until things are, are completely ready. But, you know, one of the one of the things that I want to do, and, and, and Angel really touched about, upon this, and this is really what I've done with my programs, and I know you guys are doing with your program now, is is really... Um, to be able to reach out and help other people. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed doing is is helping other people. That's what I get the most satisfaction from. It's not about um, the accolades. And, and that's why I, I very, very seldomly on the show, unless it's a point of reference, 
do I really ever talk about myself uh, on the shows? You know, it's really about my guests and it's about the others that are on here. Um, and iGolf Sports Network is just a continuation of what I've already been doing on a much bigger platform. And, you know, helping you guys at this stage uh, is important to me because I think what it is that you're um, projecting through your uh, uh, Golf Swing RX podcast is something that I think is important because, again, one of the criticisms I have of the golf industry is we've spent a lot of time on technology and things like that to improve the, the golf game, but yet a lot of the numbers still aren't changing. People are, you know, have left the game that aren't coming back through frustration. You know, the stats don't lie. And, you know, I want to be able to give more information, but the right kind of information and what you guys are doing falls into that wheelhouse as one more thing that can be offered, uh, you know, through these various networks. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, we've talked about this, uh, you and I, and then now uh, have talked about it more with Angel. But just very quickly as we wrap up, John, any comments or, or things that you want to say about it as well? Yes, I remember when, when you first told me about this because we were talking, um, this was back in the fall, and and um, and I told you, I said, Ted, I said, every day, I, I say affirmations every day. I pray every, I, I'm, every morning, and, and one of my affirmations is I pray for Golf Talk Live, and I pray for you in this program. And you told me, well, I want you to, to uh, add iGolf Sports Network to that, to your affirmations mm-hmm. that you say every day. And, um, and I said, well, what is that? And that's when you told me about it. And I believe, you know, I'm a big believer. I've, I've, you know, I've turned my life over to the Lord, and I've turned the show over to the Lord, and I've turned, um, you know, I pray for Angel, and I pray for you as well. And um, the the best way to uh, to to um, really help people is to follow His lead, because He will lead you to where the people that need to be helped. And that's what I hope right. that this program will do. I hope that when we get in front of the camera and, you know, it'll be different in, in, than it is right now when we're in front of the camera that we can be professional, that we can, we can um, be stewards of, of the gifts that, that God has given us and, and the opportunity. I want to thank you, Ted, because this is an opportunity mm-hmm. and, and I am very grateful for the opportunity. I know Angel is as well. We're both very excited and can't wait to get started. Well, thank you. Um, as am I. And, you know, this is something, as I said, that I'm, I'm going to unpack. Uh, it's going to seem slow, but it's actually going to come a lot quicker than what we, we all uh, realize. Um, but, you know, this is something that really my time doing the Women of Golf and Golf Talk Live has really sort of led up to. And now adding uh, your podcast into the mix, if you will, uh, I think is going to be very, very helpful for a lot of our uh, listeners out there uh, and, and ultimately viewers um, as we transition to, to that next level. Um, I really want to thank both of you for coming on um, tonight. I'm looking forward uh, to continuing this relationship, uh, you know, beginning next month, as I said, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about that more um, as the days go by, but, um, and, and do it, taking that next level. But uh, one thing I want to do before we run out of time is, and, and John, if you want to go ahead uh, or Angel, either one, um, where can the, the folks tune into Golf Swing RX podcast? Where can they go now if they want to listen to um, episodes that have already been created uh, and, and tune into future episodes? Where do they go? Yeah, so um, there, we're on a lot of different platforms. We are on iTunes. We are on uh, 
SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, um, geez, Google, <laughs> like you name it, we're on it. Uh, so iPhone, Android, you can you can find us on and listen to us on, on all those platforms. You can also go to my website. I have um, in the tabs in the menu section the Golf Swing RX podcast. You just click that and it will take you um, to to our podcast, which is really cool. And um, and then also if you kind of get lost in the mix, you can find me at um, on Instagram at optimal PT and wellness, one word, obviously no underscores or anything. Um, and I have, I always put all of my podcasts up there and you can, you can uh, tune into whatever episode that you would like to listen to. Um, so yeah, very accessible, very uh, easy to find us and just type in golf swing RX podcast, the prescription for your game. And four is, you know, spelled S O R E. So I'm sure you guys get that, but, uh, Yep. <laughs> that's that's yeah. it. We sure do. <laughs> we got it. Um, well, listen, John and Angel, thank you very much again for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's uh, It's been interesting to hear a little bit more about your journey and share with that with my audience. And I hope that the folks will uh, go out. Uh, you can uh, even just Google Golf Swing RX Podcast, and that will come up and take you to the appropriate links that you can listen on a multitude of uh, social media platforms. So they're all over the internet. You can find them there and it's a, a great program. And, and thank you guys again for having me uh, a couple of weeks ago. I appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, coming on again in, uh, sometime in the future. And uh, as I mentioned uh, to the listeners a moment ago, you guys are going to be coming back uh, once a month, uh, beginning next month uh, for a uh, special segment here on Golf Talk Live, where we're going to talk about some of the things that you're going to be talking about on your podcast, just as sort of a, as a preamble, if you will, uh, to what's going to happen next year on the iGolf Sports Network. So I hope everybody will tune in. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to talk about some interesting things that you guys are going to share. Um, but on that note, uh, Angel and John, thank you again for, uh, uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate uh, always having you guys as guests, and have a great weekend, and God bless to both of you. Thank, thank you, you, Ted. Dad. Thank you, Angel. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. All right, that was my special guest, uh, host of the uh, Golf Swing RX podcast, the prescription for your game, uh, PGA instructor John Decker and uh, Dr. Angelica Napolitano, a.k.a. The Golf Doc. Uh, again, you can find them where all great podcasts are heard, uh, literally all over the Internet. So make sure you check them out. And they're, of course, both on Facebook, so you can check them under their names uh, on, on Facebook as well and connect with them uh, through there. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, once again for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live, and a special thanks to uh, Chuck Evans and Clint Wright, uh, my two panelists on the Coach's Corner panel earlier this evening. Thanks, guys, for always doing a great job. And thank you for the listeners for faithfully tuning in each and every week. And as I said, um, over the next several months, I'll be unpacking a little bit more um, about the iGolf Sports Network. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this and really love uh, the format that uh, I'm putting together for that. And that is going to be taking place uh, uh, hopefully early spring, but sometime uh, between uh, March and May of 2020. So I will be updating you as we go along through not only the show here, but also all of my social media links, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and, and uh, LinkedIn, and so forth. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That's the iGolf Sports Network. Um, thank you, everybody. God bless. Have a great week, and I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. 
Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.